You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 215. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, San, hey, San. Okay, how are things? Well, pretty bleak. Nobody's ill, I hope? No, 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 no. At least not with well, coronavirus? N- not me, but lots of people are ill. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yes, no, yes. Same here. No, nobody I know, or not me yet. I mean, we, we might be carriers, which is also a possibility very much, but nobody's testing us, so we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's mm. right. Mm. And you know, I do think not having the symptoms and not having anyone around you in your vicinity, in your family, who is ill with this COVID-19 gives you the feeling that it's something distant. It's something that, that will not affect you. Mm. And I think that has a great effect on uh, what developments are. Mm-hmm. More on that later. We will have a coronavirus update. But everyone is issuing updates because of the coronavirus. Yep. So the latest seems to be the organizers of QED. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They say not to book your trip yet because we don't know what's going to happen. So it'll be ah, very, very disappointing. We already missed it last year because they decided to take a year off and that's fine. They were allowed to do that. But uh, my QED abstinence is getting worse and I don't really want this to happen. But what can you do? Yes, I don't know. But I, I'm really hoping this is it's only that part of the year that I told the company that I work for to leave out of my calendar because I need those few days. Yeah. And no matter how many days they give me to be on the go during the throughout the year, I do want those couple of days. But now I'm having at least two months off and who knows how much longer it will take than two months. We'll see what happens. But there's a lot of things that you have to change when these things happen. Looking at skeptical events, if you look at our calendar, a lot of them are now saying cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. Cancelled, cancelled, But actually there are some bright sides because people are working on doing, trying to replace it with online Yes. Uh, solutions. Yeah. Uh, we have done so as well in the Swedish Skeptics. We have uh, the a, a smaller annual meeting, which just was for the local chapter. We had to ca- uh, not cancel. We had to transfer it over to an online meeting. We used something called Zoom mm-hmm. and it worked pretty well, mm-hmm. but we were only 14 people on the call. So the question is, how can you scale it up? But I know in the, in the UK, they are looking into solutions. We are looking into other solutions. And I also think that when this blows over, and I know it sounds uh, feels like a long way away now, but when it blows over, I think we will have learned how to do stuff that we probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. So I think this online meeting things is... There are some things you would want to do in the future, not because you have to, but because it's a compliment and because it actually works pretty well. Yeah. And and some countries are very far behind in the development of these uh, methods, for example, in teaching. In our educational system... In Hungary? Yes, in Hungary. We've been criticized a lot and we've, we've been criticizing the government, the system a lot, for not keeping up with uh, the developments of the technical abilities and the technical things available. And now the whole system is forced to try and use digital ways of education. And the shocking part of it is that most of the teachers, most most of the educators, they are not prepared for it. They are now learning on the fly and uh, just making it up as, as they go along. So I definitely think it will have a positive outcome in that regard. Mm. Uh, so I do agree with you, but some countries are far, far ahead of us uh, with regards to that. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Also, just on that positive outcome note, um, you know, looking for silver lining in the times of quarantine and, and um, uh, coronavirus. Yeah. So the pollution has gone down. Oh yeah. Especially big polluters. Big time. Yeah, big polluters like China. When they stopped the activity, the air has cleared immediately. So some of the satellite images showing stark difference. 
I mean, it's not going to continue forever because the China is now back on track and they're going back to the factories. But that was a, an interesting note, right? <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the planet is now standing still. Yeah, but uh, there is another aspect of this. And uh, some uh, places uh, like Venice and other places near the water, they claim that uh, there are pieces of news items circulating above that, that animals are coming back, like dolphins uh, have been spotted in the lagoon of Venice and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And But some of them have already turned out to be fake. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Photos being taken in other places and uh, being displayed as Venice. Oh, so then the amount of fake news and the amount of misinformation is so great that this one generates because now people are spending even more time online and on social media than usual. So that means more fake stuff being in circulation. So... Ah. Get off Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it's not just Facebook. Yeah, it's, just... <laughs> it's all the all the books. <laughs> all the books. I know Twitter, Twitter, and and Instagram, and and what else? TikTok. I don't know. What no. is TikTok? I don't use it. I'm not sure actually. <laughs> it's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we do have this um, episode full of things to report on, not only coronavirus related, which is a good thing. So I suggest we we crack on with that. Yay. And Yana, I'd like to ask you to tell us about something that has happened on this week yes. in skepticism. Okay, I want to talk about someone who was born on March 26, 1941, and that someone is Richard Dawkins. Mm -hmm. Oh, Richard Dawkins. This, okay. this name possibly will be familiar to a lot of listeners. He was certainly... Um, big influence in my life. He's written a series of uh, books uh, which uh, had a really big, big influence on me, uh, of, of one of which is, of course, uh, of course, God Delusion, uh, Selfish Gene. Um, he's, uh, he writes actually books uh, for kids now as well. And he's an evolutionary biologist and author and ethnologist. Um, he has um, very uh, openly s said that he's an atheist and he, he criticized creationism until uh, spoke out against alternative medicine quite uh, openly um, and still is speaking out about these things. Um, he's also um, founded a um, non-for-profit organization called the Richard Dawkins Foundation for Reasons in Science in 2006 uh, that was aimed uh, at financing research works on the psychology of belief in religion, and it does other things as well. And then in 2016, the, the foundation merged with Center for Inquiry, and Dawkins now serves as a member of the board. Uh, there's a lot that can be said about Richard Dawkins. Um, um, he, there's a lot of information available online about his uh, biography and the books that he's written. I guess the, the most important thing that... Um, kind of relates to the science and skepticism as, as he was and is a, a very outspoken promoter of scientific thinking. Um, and um, he sp speaks out against religion um, and the dangers of religion um, and against the alternative medicine. Mm. So uh, hence uh, why I wanted to mention him today. Okay. He's been he's been criticized for a couple of things though oh. recently. Well, he, yeah. Quite he, quite a few things. Yes, he's he's been tweeting. And I couldn't <laughs> say that it was not deserved criticism in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, no. He's teaming up with people uh, well, known sexual offenders, teaming up with uh, people who <laughs> well, himself, he's not necessarily his old self anymore so he's been like there are on twitter he yeah. keeps uh pushing on stuff yeah. that is more than controversial i think sh he should get off the twitter that's my personal opinion but uh, yeah the twitter got him in, into a lot of hot waters um mm -hmm. and i think he <laughs> provokes people on purpose there and it's a limited you know medium so you can only put so many sentences yeah anyway yeah I, certain people should not be using twitter and i believe that he's definitely one of those people yeah no he has certain views which makes me i have lost a lot of respect for him i i, I don't really i'm not a big fan anymore so yeah you know this is this is where we have to make a distinction and i i struggled for a while to make that distinction actually that as you say you don't necessarily have that much respect for him anymore Hmm. I'm at the, in the same place, but I still have a great amount of respect 
towards his work, previous works, because uh, some of his books have had a great influence on me. And I think he used to be one of the greatest educators of our times. Mm. And I still cherish the memory of that. <laughs> yeah. I saw, saw him speak twice or three times. The, the latest event was, I think I mentioned it even on this show, when uh, Richard Do the Richard Dawkins Award was given to Ricky Gervais. Mm. And uh, I've noticed uh, a couple of things about him, like uh, his way of speaking. I don't know if it was tiredness, if it had anything to do with his stroke a couple of years back, but he's definitely not his, his old self. Uh, anymore. I mean, he's old. Mm. For fuck's sake, he's almost 80 years old. Mm. That's unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, Richard Dawkins. Thank you very much, Yelena. Alrighty. Moving on to the fun part <laughs> when Pontus pokes the Pope. I have good news, everyone. Good. Because the Popey Pope has talked to God. Isn't that his job? Yeah, he has asked God if he could please stop the pandemic. So we should expect this whole thing to blow over any minute now. So that's that's the poking of the Pope for this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, well, now I can sleep well. I mean, <laughs> just before this announcement. I do have a feeling that that's not the case. No, I do have a few more things to say. Uh, do you know what the real big problem is with the COVID-19 pandemic? For the Pope, I mean. Ah, oh, for the Pope. Okay, okay. I'm just mm. yeah, going yeah, to no. give you a proper answer. <laughs> Except for uh, the obvious thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No? No? No, the, the, of course there's the issue of the Holy Crackers. You don't have the priests in the in the oh, churches yes, yes. handing out the, the that stuff. <laughs> but the biggest issue is that if you are in quarantine and churches are closed and there are restrictions on movement in general, then you cannot go to confession. Oh. And if you die from the disease or any other reason for that matter, chances are that you have no priest available, so no one is allowed to administer the last rites. And therefore, no confession, no, no penance, um, and no, nothing like that. Ooh. And that has the consequence that without the Lord's forgiveness... People may literally go to hell. Yes. No, but 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 hold on. What about so? What about online confessions? Come so on. what's the solution? Let's get, let's get on Skype. Ah, you should get go on Skype. No, but I'm coming to the solution as well. But at the moment, um, since a lot of people are told to believe that they have to to go to confession to confess the sins, otherwise they may uh, end up in hell. Uh, people are very worried, of course, if you believe in that and you l lay at home and you're sick or maybe you're not sick, but you can't get out. Uh, what is how do you feel about that? You, I mean, you can imagine the double fear of dying now among Catholics. Not just are you afraid that the disease will kill you, but also that because of the quarantine, etc., you will not get to heaven. So this is a real and totally unnecessary harm and fear due to, to religion. <laughs> and by the way, I wonder what the plan is from God's side here, if you believe in this thing. So, so what do you think God's plan was with the pandemic? I, I would imagine some people are saying this is God's way of telling everyone to repent for their sins, but then he arranges so you can't do it because there's no priests available to help them. That's really cruel. But they need not fear, because uh, there is a, a solution, of course. Francis has come up with it. Uh, the Vatican has written and sent out a decree which fixes the problem. According to this decree, you can be saved remotely without giving confession by do-it-yourself-at-home magic. So the church has in this decree uh, granted quote-unquote special indulgence to coronavirus patients and uh, their families uh, or caregivers. What you need to do to go to heaven is to, quote, with a spirit detached from any sin, unite spiritually through the media to the celebration of the Holy Mass, the recitation of the Holy Rosary, to the pious practice of the way of the cross and other forms of devotion. I, I have no idea what uniting spiritually through the media means, but, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, you can also save yourself by reading the Bible at least half an hour a day. But... According to this decree, it only applies to the coronavirus victims. What, what about people who will die of other things during this crisis? Are they not able to do the same trick? Yeah. Uh, very strange. Very strange. Uh, what bugs me about this, as you said, is um, 
Pope Francis came up with the, with this uh, thing. Mm. Do you think he came up with it and he persuaded God to go along with it, or God told him? that this would be the case. Yeah, I, I don't know how that works, because on one hand, <laughs> he is supposed to be the spokesperson for God here on, uh, yes, on Earth. Exactly. On the other hand, he has asked God, please stop the pandemic, and that hasn't happened. I, I don't know how what the relationship is. I think it's it's complicated. Um, Probably uh, big juicy fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, they, I am really looking forward <laughs> to a time when we pass this pandemic and all the believers trying to ge um, back forward generate um, reasons why it happened the way it happened and how God was yeah. doing this or the other, it'll be. Rest assured it's going to happen. Yeah, but it's going to be a complicated um, explanation. But my thinking also is that if you can nullify all the confessions by issuing out a decree like this, why don't they do that for everything? Yeah. Why do they keep going on confession? If you can just send out a letter saying we don't need it anymore, then the confession is totally unnecessary. But I, I think, uh, as usual, their logic is as full of holes as a Swiss cheese. But uh, then again, rational thinking has never been valued very much by the Catholic Church. That's not what they're yeah, no, that's not that's what not based on. No. <laughs> yeah. Not their strong <laughs> exactly. point. No, no, definitely mm -hmm. not. And I'm still wondering about that um, connection through media. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm wondering if uh, the Holy Spirit can be fitted on uh, carrier waves. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. Mm. It's an interesting question. Can you can you spot the, the the Holy Spirit, or can you decode the Holy Spirit on from a from a carrier wave? Like uh, you can decode a broadcast. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> Um, maybe well, maybe there is a, maybe they set up a, a God profile on Skype and then you call God on Skype. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and and does it uh, matter whether it's amplitude uh, modulation or frequency modulation that they use? <laughs> Can it be transferred through both or just one of them? Oh. Or these are important. You have questions. to find the holy amplitude. Yes, <laughs> the holy amplitude. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much, mm -hmm. Pontus. Let's see what the outcome of this will be. Oh, that could be a new method of identifying COVID-19 victims. Yeah. Because if someone automatically goes to heaven instead of hell, mm. that means they were COVID-19 victims, mm. right? So that could be included in the statistics. The hard point is to get these statistics reliably yes. because they seldom report back from, from heaven or hell. Yes. Mm. So moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the news. And uh, yeah, since we are living our, our lives talking about very few things other than COVID-19 these days, it's become a habit lately to start with a quick update on the situation. Obviously, because of the numbers changing very quickly, it's not only about that. Uh, it's more about trends. It's more about things that are happening that are new. So how are we doing with our fight against the novel coronavirus? Not well, I have to say. Well, Europe is being in the middle of it right now. The numbers are growing so rapidly that uh, an ever-growing number of countries are taking drastic measures to stop the virus from uh, spreading. But some of them are not very successful, as it seems. Obviously, there is an inherent inertia in the epidemic. So what we see as confirmed cases today is a result of infections from days or even a week or two weeks ago. Mm. But the numbers are somewhat troubling. Italy is now the country hit the worst on a global list of countries, with the death toll far exceeding that seen in China. As of today, the day of the recording, with the second greatest overall number of cases, Italy stands at a little bit short of 60,000, mm. with the number of deaths at almost 5,500 people. So that is more than 2,000 more people than in China overall for the for the whole course of the epidemic. Uh, assuming that the Chinese numbers are accurate. Yeah, assuming that Chinese numbers are accurate and it's not not only a matter of reporting, but since we, we can see China going back to their normal lives uh, or phasing mm. it back to their normal Maybe. lives, I assume that it's probably really over for them. Okay. So uh, I'm really hopeful in that regard, but we, we'll see how it goes. 
Spain is now coming up the third in the number of deaths. Germany, Switzerland, UK, Netherlands are reporting hundreds or even thousands of new cases every day. So uh, it's uh, the situation is getting worse. This is why the latest number of overall cases is more than 340,000 globally as of today, which is more than double the number we reported here exactly a week ago. So that shows that it took months for the overall numbers to reach the number 160,000 and another week to reach 340,000, which means a rapid acceleration. This is partly down to the screening being more widespread, but also due to the fact that the epidemic seems to have reached a phase when the, the rate of infection is accelerating. The problem is that we, we've already touched on that just briefly, that people still don't take it seriously enough. So people stay the fuck home if you can, can and wait it out. Uh, in some countries, the healthcare system is already overloaded, so don't make it worse by getting infected and having good... God only knows what kind of risks. The Conversation has published a list of best practices that seem to make a lot of sense, where researched uh, articles are being published on the Conversation by experts, so usually they seem to be very accurate in their approach. Uh, check that out, look for it on our show notes, and we know more and more even about its origins, the, the virus's origin, but we don't know how long this will last, and when can we go, get back to, to our normal lives. Uh, and we know that people of old ages and those living in highly polluted cities are at greater risk. But there are a couple of very concerning things coming up here and there. There are obviously uh, fake news that that don't bother anyone. For example, I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo Mm. is converting his hotels into hospitals. Mm. Which is just not true. So <laughs> the spokesperson for one of the hotels. Oh, wouldn't uh, that be great if it was true? Cristiano Ronaldo is known for being very, very generous and being very big on charity work. But this is just not true. The other, the other favorite of mine is that Nostradamus seems to have given a prediction that this would happen. Of course. According to Snopes, this uh, they couldn't find any proof of that. So it might be just a completely made up thing as it usually is the case with uh, Nostradamus uh, I have to I have to say well you can, you can generate you can you can make all of his predictions fit whatever <laughs> they just like yeah exactly exactly anyway there are two treatments that I want to briefly mention that you should avoid and you should not take seriously don't try ozone treatment which is one of the the, the latest but the worst is I've heard of it from uh, a Hungarian clinic that is called the Swiss Clinic. I know, no, there is a bit of a um, an issue with the name. <laughs> they claim that steaming, basically steaming your throat, oh fuck, can cure you. So you can, you should uh- apply hot steam to to breathe in and uh, and try to kill the the virus while it sits in your throat for four days. Basic. First of all, it doesn't sit in your throat for four days. It does, <laughs> um, it's it's not how a virus infection I, I'm works. I'm glad you said steaming your throat, not steaming your vagina, because that wouldn't help either. By the way, just FYI. No, it definitely it definitely wouldn't, but <laughs> it could cause much more damage than any kind of advantage that it might bring about. There is no advantages to steaming your throat. Applying hot stuff can be helpful with mild infections that are really sitting on your throat, like a, a, a common cold. Not the whole air itself, but like but like uh, different tea products or inhaling different, different products. That can be beneficial to some extent, and there are publications detailing that. But uh, I think what it all comes from, because they, they point to that thing circulating on Facebook here in Hungary, about steaming your throat. It refers back to a link to a WHO website. I checked it out. It's about the research into how, at what temperature, they could deactivate the viruses, the different types of viruses of previous epidemics. In in the lab, they could deactivate the virus, and it's usually called killing the virus. At 53 or 60 degrees Celsius, it doesn't mean that you should put that hot a thing in your throat or in touch with your throat. Don't do that, please. Mm. So 
that's about it about uh, the coronavirus update so it's getting very serious and uh, we should we, we just have to wait it out i'm afraid and don't be silly yeah <laughs> okay so let's leave uh, the covid19 aside for a second here yes, and go idea. to the uk for a follow-up from episode 212 mm-hmm uh last year the psa that's the professional standards authority was challenged by the good thinking society uh, for keeping the society of homeopaths on the list of accredited organizations the news was then that for the 2020 accreditation the psa introduced several conditions on the homeopaths conditions that was not there before last year so These conditions mainly concern the promotion by homeopaths of something called CEAS, C-E-A-S-E, which stands for Complete Elimination of Autistic Expression and is nothing of the sort. So CEAS is a completely bogus uh, treatment that is said to cure, quote-unquote, autism with high doses of vitamin C and other unproven nonsense. And there it also perpetuates the disproven link between vaccinations and uh, autism. So the new strict conditions are linked to the 2020 accreditation of the Society of Homeopaths, but... uh, Good Thinking Society's judicial review, which was scheduled for last week, concerned last year's accreditation, which had no conditions attached. But now the Good Thinking Society has decided to withdraw the challenge from last year because of the new conditions, so the judicial review was cancelled. And I think it was the right decision. Uh, The goal has been achieved, I think. And on uh, their website, Good Thinking writes... Quote, we are very pleased to see that strict conditions have now been placed upon the society of homeopaths, end quote. And they also say that they will, quote, pay close attention over the coming year to ensure that registrants of the society of homeopaths do not continue to offer cease therapy or act in breach of any of the other conditions imposed upon the society by the PSA. If we find registrants acting in breach, we will raise our concerns with the Society of Homeopaths and the PSA as necessary." So there's good skeptical activism again being done by good thinking. And now it's just a matter of keeping the homeopaths accountable. Really good. Which I think... uh, we will need to monitor that. Uh, I, I know that Good Thinking will welcome any report from uh, fellow skeptics if uh, you see homeopaths that are not following these rules. Yeah, so talking about homeopaths, mm-hmm. as always, uh, homeopaths came out to say that they have all the answers. <laughs> and I seriously would encourage people to go on the website. It's H pathy.com. We're going to link the article that I'm referring to right now and start commenting on the article because I cannot understand why this article doesn't have any comments yet, uh, screaming what the actual F you're talking about. So basically, um, this article uh, talks about whilst all the governments across the world facing all the chal- uh, these challenges of finding treatment for COVID-19, they got it all figured out. The homeopaths. Did you know, guys? Good for them. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good, at least someone. And I'm, I'm going to be quoting bits from the article. I'm quoting right now. We already have tentative suggestions about what those may be, uh, end quote. And th- those, they mean the um, uh, ways to treat. Mm-hmm. And um, again, another quote. Uh, the Indian government has suggested Arsenicum 30. Dr. Manish Bhatia finds Bri onia and lycopedium likely choices and he mentions other important remedies uh, dr aditya kasarian shares case reports from iran uh, which are analyzed uh, who, uh, by another doctor who finds the the genus for those cases to be camphora end of quote now all these things i've just mentioned brionia lycopedium Podium and camphora have nothing to do with anything. Uh, I had to, so come, I know about camphora because it's, it's an oil that smells nice uh, produced from a tree uh, that you don't normally use to treat anything. Uh, that's one. Brionia is a plant people use for, um, the berries. First of all, berries are poisonous of Brionia. Uh, Brionia root is used as laxative to induce vomiting. I mean, 
don't do that. That's not going to help you with coronavirus. I mean, yes, you'll be you'll be shitting yourself and throwing up, but <laughs> the virus still will be there. <laughs> oh, wait a moment. Wait a moment. If it's a homeopathic product, uh, it will have the opposite effect. What's the opposite? What's the opposite of diarrhea? I don't know. Uh, if I want that, it's constipation. Constipation. <laughs> uh, also, why why are we taking advice from somebody from? Iran. Iran currently has got 21,638 cases when 1,685 people dead. So I don't think they're doing that great themselves. Also, Iranian homeopaths, I don't know. Where are you guys? You should be, what's, you know. No, 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 no. Don't ask for them to come out of the closet and, and try to be more active. Please don't encourage them. So let me, let me just quote you part of this article that needs to be, somebody has to comment on this stuff like seriously okay remember that homeopathy has a proven track record of preventing diseases whether it be bacterial or viral it has protected people from polio smallpox diphtheria scarlet fever meningococcal meningitis leptospirosis and uh, virus influenza homeopathic remedies have successfully treated virtually every epidemic disease that occurred over the last 200 years in including the 1980 influenza pandemic. Treating these diseases will require keen observation, but if we remain calm and the workers' community, we will be able to reason it through. Most importantly, we will have a means of prevention that will become clear as more cases are evaluated. End quote. What the hell? No, 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 and no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every single word of this passage that I have just read is a freaking lie upon the lie. Upon the lie. That was nothing to do with homeopathy. All these diseases were eradicated because of the vaccination invented by scientists and doctors and whatever else. Nothing to do with homeopathy. Yeah. Except for the Spanish flu, though, because that didn't, that wasn't a big success. No, it wasn't. Either. I think it was 60 million dead That's or true. something. This... Good job, homeopathy. Yeah, we can, we can attribute that success in quotes to homeopathy. Well done. Um... No, it, it was a success because eventually it stopped. <laughs> uh, it just required a lot of people to die. It's, it's killed itself right um, yeah. that's that's what Basically. happened um no like somebody has to like tell them to fuck off what the actual facts are <laughs> and of course now more than ever the wishful thinking of homeopaths are just out there in the open for everybody to point and laugh at i mean i can't even basically where's my t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> oh she yeah do you still have them t uh, that t-shirt I don't think I ever had it. I, I wanted to buy one. Now is, I think now oh. is the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that overdose event. Well, still trying to turn things back a little bit from COVID-19. I'd like to uh, turn back uh, to the Good Thinking Society. But first of all, how much are you into magic? Well, uh, real magic? I'm all for it. Just prove to me that it works. <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not very much of a fan of, of Harry Potter's, but mm -hmm. I've always found magic fascinating. Uh, mm. e even though I've, n I've never felt like I had the skills to actually perform any tricks. But I did have a relatively simple uh, a magician set as a kid. I don't know if you did. Never mind. But... Within skeptical circles, I think magic, apart from being fascinating for curious minds, is, is, is quite generally considered a great tool to encourage critical thinking. Mm. Richard Wiseman, whom we all know and love, and who's both a magician and a highly esteemed professor of the public understanding of psychology, has even done a lot of research into how magic can improve people's lives. By the way, I did an interview with him a couple of months ago that you can listen to on episode 190 if you haven't mm. yet done yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, then we talked about his book, Shoot for the Moon. Now he's teamed up with uh, comic artists to present a series of illuminating stories from the field of science, magic and mystery uh, under the title Hocus Pocus. It's going to be a series. It's really good. I've, I've seen the first one. Mm. It's becoming a thing publishing critical thinking uh, topics in the comic format, right? <laughs> mm. uh, see Cranky Uncle versus Climate Change for reference. And even though 
this was not the reason why I brought brought uh, up uh, Richard uh, Wiseman. It just shows how unbelievably active he is. And there is one further proof of that. He also teamed up with the Good Thinking Society. Ooh, again, yeah. <laughs> yes, they are busy too. And they launched a new project together called the Good Magic Awards in recognition of work into utilizing magic for social good. The award tries to encourage this further by providing a thousand pounds to each winner to help with the funding of their activities. Both individuals and organizations can apply if they are over the age of 18 years. Now, that requirement is for individuals only, I assume. And they have to currently reside in the UK. The application form can be found on the Good Thinking Society's website, and the deadline for nominations is 5pm GMT on the 30th of April 2020. So you've got time, people. Two winners will be selected by a judging panel, and the announcement will be made in the summer, sometime in the summer. Mm. So if any of our listeners or any of their friends are practicing or aspiring magicians who do apply magic for social good and they could do with some extra help with that please do apply it's not a very big amount of money but certainly not small chips either Mm. you can also find full terms and conditions on the website and to that website we will provide links on the show notes yeah of this show all right so so, and if you can't uh be part of that competition because you're not your magic skills are sort of lacking perhaps there is another uh, uk based uh, competition you can take a part of so this is a spanish uk collaboration for the third year running the society of spanish researchers in the uk nice. has invited anyone who's interested to a competition to write a good scientific short story aimed at children aged 6 to 12 years old the competition is called science me a story or in spanish cienza me un cuento and it's sponsored by uh, lily foundation and the university of liverpool has a webpage dedicated to the contest where they provide you with ideas and inspiration and the aim of this competition is uh, to quote Promote the use of short stories as a tool to communicate science to children in a fun and engaging way, end quote. The story that you should write uh, can be real or fictional and should have the objective of spreading scientific thinking to school children. And it must relate to science, the scientific method, the research process, scientific discovery, the everyday life of a scientist or things like that. Uh, There will be two categories. You can write in Spanish and you can write in English. And to enter, you need to be uh, an adult. You need to be at least 18 years old. Naturally, the, the story must be original and newly created for the contest. It is open to anyone, uh, regardless of nationality or place of residence. And there are three prizes in each category. And the first prize being £150. And the deadline is the 20th of April. So uh, that's a fun and good initiative. And I, th- I, I really like the idea of s- stimulating children's curiosity regarding science and scientific thinking uh, by things like this. Yeah. More on things like that later. Mm-hmm. Because uh, on uh, this podcast, we've talked a lot about misinformation and disinformation. The latter is different from the former in that it's a, it's a form of intentionally spread falsehoods in order to deceive people and lead to a sense of uncertainty about public issues. These can range from election talking points and internationally talked about issues like climate change, migration, and as of late, epidemics, especially uh, COVID-19. On the British edition of The Conversation that I mentioned earlier, an article was published a few days ago by Scott Shackelford, an associate professor of business law and ethics and d- director of the Ostrom Workshop Program on Cybersecurity and Internet Governance. Now, that's quite a mouthful, <laughs> hmm. but I think what they do there is very important for all of us. He mentions quite a few pieces of research into how different countries have interfered in elections in other countries since the the Second World War. Out of 116 documented attempts during that period, 80 were done by the US, by the way. The US that we usually consider the good guys. (laughs) Mm. Also, 
between 1991 and 2017, 27 instances of meddling with other countries' elections have been identified that were initiated from Russia. Hmm. The best-known case is probably that of the 2016 US elections uh, that has been proven to be uh, meddled with by, by the Russians. Apparently, it's not exclusively governments that conduct these projects. In some countries, it's opposition parties preparing for upcoming elections that run disinformation campaigns uh, to try to gain support in the general public by applying to their hidden fears or disapproval, etc. Back in 2019, researchers of the Oxford Internet Institute published their findings in a document bearing the title The Global Disinformation Order, 2019 Global Inventory of Organized Social Media Manipulation. Now, that sounds scary, and it is. Even though the results published are not surprising, the sheer number of campaigns is somewhat shocking. They identified 70 countries around the world that have some kind of ongoing disinformation campaign, more than a dozen of which were in Europe. Mm. And this is why it's relevant to us. Their previous research shows that in 2018, the global number was 48 instead of 70. A year before, it had only been 28. So according to their studies, the number of misleading campaigns is rapidly growing. Yeah. Shackleford specifically mentions the EU, where Russian interference is not unknown, even in recent years. And um, a few examples are given as to how Facebook and Twitter has been under pressure to close down accounts for spreading fake news and polarizing content, etc. Et, et we, we can all mention examples from our, our own countries, I think. But, the, but the, the best known is probably the UK's Brexit campaign, where at some point... Basically, both sides were talking rubbish. My my own country, with the anti-immigration campaigns, coupled with the, the anti-Soros sentiment, and the list goes on. Uh, during the last EP elections, the EU was spending more money on countering disinformation than ever before. A task force and uh, special publications have been set up, some of them with very good follower numbers even to this day. The the European Commission also came up with a code of practice that aimed at uh, getting social media giants on board, which they, they, they managed to pull off to some extent. Google, Twitter, Facebook, well, they decided to, go to, to get on board. But there is still a lot to do. Real-time fact-checking is key. But what seems to be more important is media literacy and education to inoculate the public against disinformation. So what we need is authorities and civil society, NGOs, working together to bring about educational reforms throughout the, the, the whole continent, especially in difficult times like now, when the effectiveness of bringing correct information to the citizens is imperative to tackle the issues at hand. And what we can do is what we've been doing since we started this podcast, and we will continue doing it, giving platform for as many activists around Europe and the world as possible to let more people know there is hope. So we can educate the public, the general public, and uh, more people can be reached by these educational campaigns if we give them as many platforms as possible. And I think we we can pledge to, to keep doing that in the future, us as the European Skeptics Podcast. So um, our go-to for fact-checking is Snopes.com. Yep. And... Um, it's actually scaling back some of the fact-checking. Um, and um, I know it sounds a bit counterproductive, but they're trying to protect their uh, staff and they're doing all they can in these difficult times. Um, so they've issued um, a statement online. Um, I'm just going to quote them from a statement directly. A bit, uh, quote, we cannot ask our employees to ramp up productivity at the same time as the rest of their lives spin out into more dis disorientation and distressing states. End of quote. And so they will be scaling back some of those newsletters they used to send out on a weekly basis. Instead of six, there'll be only three coming out. But in view of all of this development, um, sounds like actually they're great employers. Mm -hmm. uh, they're asking for some help. And uh, well, there's obvious things people do to fact check first, you know, check with the CDC or uh, WHO. Those are the organizations to go to to get guidance on, on COVID, not homeopaths. <laughs> or or Sandra from Facebook. That doesn't work. What's the matter with Sandra, with Sandra on Facebook? 
Have you got a beef with her? So, and then also they, they're asking for uh, some help in supporting Snopes directly as a founding member. So you can uh, register and pay a little bit of a fee. Um, get the word out that they need help. And... Um, Demand that the companies like Facebook and Google do more to uh, uh, curb fake news because they have the money, they have the power, yep. and the, they are the places. Uh, Facebook certainly is the place where these things spread like wildfire. So uh, that, that's kind of the advice from the Snopes: um, take every article with a gra- grain of salt um, and, and every headline, um, and just get the the, the information directly from um, those uh, two websites I've mentioned uh, earlier, CDC and WHO. And we will link to the uh, website where you can sponsor our Snopes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think I have talked about the the activities of this uh, Hungarian organization before called Idea Foundation. Uh, Not too long ago, they put together a teacher training program that aimed at preparing teachers for the task of developing critical thinking skills in children aged 13 to 14. But since the onset of the COVID-19 epidemic halted the program, um, obviously they cannot gather enough people uh, within one room to uh, run the course, they decided to come up with an online version of of part of their program, adjusted specifically to the current pandemic situation. Now, the advantage of this one is that it doesn't require a a teacher's intervention. So uh, children can actually access it and and walk through it by themselves because it's online. We see misinformation and disinformation spreading like wildfire and thus their course aims at preparing kids between 13 and 15 years of age to be able to spot fake news and fake content in general. There are three chapters in this program. The first, teaching the basics to filtering information in general. The second, listing the most frequently appearing types of misinformation and disinformation. And the third part, providing an insight into checking pictures and videos for fake content. I clicked through it. I genuinely think it's brilliant. And it's available for everyone who speaks Hungarian. The links will be provided on the show notes, just in case uh, you want to give it a go, uh, as far as you speak or at least understand Hungarian, of course. Uh, friend, our friends from German skeptics Gewoop uh, pledge to uh, to make sure that they only spreading uh, scientific information about the COVID nineteen. Actually, Germany is doing really well. I've I've li- I've seen their stats. They've got a lot of cases, but not many deaths. But that could be because they're very healthy, just like Swedish people. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> uh, in and they've. Um, uh, published an article, uh, you know, that outlining all the same things that came out. So there's more misinformation, more fake news, um, and th- they will be um, first to call out those uh, those things and uh, make sure that um, the attention is brought to, to the people who are spreading the misinformation on COVID nineteen. So well done them. I mean, they'll they'll be obviously doing this uh, in German, and um, they call on everybody else and skeptic. Uh, well, on the, uh, everybody else who promotes science and skepticism to do the same, to make sure that the spread of misinformation doesn't continue if we see something that we need to call it out. All right. Yes. Talking about COVID-19 and misinformation. I think nobody's surprised uh, by this or haven't or have probably seen similar things popping up everywhere. But quacks flocks like wolves around the COVID-19 pandemic. In Sweden, there are numerous people, known and unknown, that claim to have the cure or protection against the coronavirus. And here's a few examples, just as a flavor, about things that are supposed to save us if we just pay the scam artists behind them. There is one guy calling himself a natural doctor which is not a thing. Uh, he has a supplement company called Alpha Plus and he promotes his special bark tree tea in uh, combination with vitamin C and D and lactic acid bacteria. He has a starting pack called Defense, which also includes garlic and fatty acids and it costs 150 euro. He also recommends a turmeric product and a grass powder, which, he's, which will set you back another 100 euros. And for some reason, he also says, please wrap some onion over your chest. <laughs> okay, at least that seems 
fairly cheap. New concept for fake boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Then there's a doctor called Annika Dahlström and she has received the Swedish Skeptics Confounder of the Year award several years ago. And she's propagating an LCHF diet, vitamin D and colloidal silver, which she says you should drink five to six times a day if you are sick. It is not allowed by law to market or promote colloidal silver for consumption in Sweden. Just take note. <laughs> in addition, she advocates injecting yourself intravenously with vitamin C. And when a journalist asked her about this, her response was... Well, there isn't any other cure available. Ah. Yeah, okay, so that that excuses it then. Mm. That's okay then. <laughs> <laughs> Two more examples. There's an Instagram influencer called Katrin Sytomierska, which is not a very typical Swedish name. Uh, she has a company called Clean Eating, and uh, she has now launched a small bottle of fish oil for 40 euro each <gasps> to quote-unquote boost the immune system as a comparison a similar normal bottle of fish oil is about 10 euro yeah. oh, she's gonna make some money <laughs> all right there is another last example there is another woman called sanna edin who is very well known by the swedish skeptics she has a phd in biotechnology from uh, 1988 and therefore she market herself as dr sanna She is now selling something called the Dr. Sana's Soft Soap for 30 euro per bottle and similar products normally cost 3 euro. We should get on that bandwagon. We're on the wrong side of this. We should get in the business of selling these uh, kind of products. It's much more uh, profitable. <laughs> the ESP vitamin complex. Yeah. So all of these people have increased their activities over the last month and there are several others as well, of course. Uh, very careful they are, all of them, not to explicitly claim that they cure or prevent COVID-19, but of course heavily implying that they do mm. just fyi you know how you know that the uh, there is uh, some something's uh, medicine available for covid-19 it'll be announced by who or cdc <laughs> yeah Ugh. or by uh, uh, donald trump i think he spread something the other day well he, he was sure it go was going to work mm. yeah he really kind of wanted this malaria thing to work didn't yeah he? yeah okay so uh, there is one thing that is um, making rounds on the internet a claim that uh, blood type has a significant effect on whether you would be more susceptible to the virus or not. Have you heard of that? No. No, no that's news to me. But I'm not surprised that those rumors get flying around, no. No, the thing is... Or is there something to it? Yes, that that that's why they are interesting. Oh, really? So it's a preliminary publication of the thing. It's it hasn't even been peer reviewed yet. So we have to be very careful in the interpretation of uh, the details. But that doesn't stop people from uh, spreading the good news <laughs> that if you are you belong to the, the zero blood group, then you have a significantly lower risk of contracting the disease that if you your blood type if it's a uh, the, these this is the conclusion but they what they did they analyzed the the blood group distribution of 2173 patients with covid-19 that were definitely confirmed to have been infected with SARS-CoV-2 the virus that that causes covid-19 The patients were from three different hospitals in Wuhan and Shenzhen in China. And uh, the, the researchers involved in the actual paper were from different, several different universities and different uh, university hospitals. So what they did was they um, tried to find a correlation between the blood group and the infection occurrence of SARS-CoV-2. I briefly walked through the, the, the analysis of it, but my problem with this is that it doesn't look like they controlled for the, the different blood groups represented in society as a whole. So they only worked with the number of the patients that contracted the virus, hmm. and they didn't compare it to the the overall distribution the blood group distribution of the society there was mention of that but it doesn't seem like it's a, a perfect um, protocol i'm not an expert so i might be wrong about that but uh, 
but this is this is what it looks like. However, the other thing is that just in general, it's not necessarily something that's totally implausible. Dif- different proteins and sugars in the blood determine your blood type, and uh, the the antibodies are formed by these. So this could mean that some kind of difference could be in the blood of different people with different blood types with regards to how they react to um, a different virus infection. And some gastrointestinal diseases and HIV seems to be affected by the blood type and and how vulnerable someone is to to the infection so it's not implausible uh the methodology seems a little bit hastily put together but it might be the case so it might be true it might not be true uh that's a problem but it's definitely too early to call and this is why it shouldn't be circulating as a fact on facebook and twitter and everywhere so we should wait wait it out. We should wait for the the actual peer review to to come out for that publication. Alrighty. If you live in Spain and you have nothing to do for the next foreseeable future because you're quarantined and cooped up inside your home, <laughs> the um no Spanish Skeptic Organization, ARP uh, Sociedad para el Avance de la Pensable Critica. Uh, they have <laughs> <laughs> prepared, <laughs> they have prepared a reading list for you all. Ooh. I'd imagine you probably could translate it, uh, via Google Translate. But anyways, um, we will link, uh, the, their suggested reading list, uh, that they have on their website. They claim it's the largest, uh, skeptical reading list, uh, in, Sp- in Spanish. Uh, first of all, of course, they have all their skeptic magazines on there. So, uh, they've issued 53 to date so that's pretty a lot like 53 uh issues of of the skeptic magazine that covers all sorts of topics and then of course variety of wonderful skeptic uh, related uh articles um and documents so um head uh head to their website um which is skepticals.es and start reading Mm, good (laughs) immediately well yes <laughs> or start learning spanish and then reading mm. because you know we have time you've got time man wow so much time <laughs> yeah you know now this is this is real i am now worried that i won't have enough time to bring my italian and french to the level that i wanted to by the end of this this crisis before i had to resume work <laughs> so this is real <laughs> But I think this has been all the news uh, that we wanted to share with you, dear listeners. Thanks for listening through it. But we do have uh, something else that we usually have on our uh, regular episodes. That is when Pontus tells us who's been really wrong or really right lately. Oh, yes. For this week, I have a wrong and a right to award, and both of them connected the same story. And as a special (laughs) bonus, it has nothing to do with any virus. Thanks. Fuck for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this is from the Netherlands. The heroes of our story is an association that is arguably the world's oldest uh, skeptical organization the vtdk or hang on for this I'll, i've been practicing all afternoon vereniging tegen de kwakzalverei there you go mm-hmm. i had no <laughs> idea how that sounded in, in but but something like that it translates to the association against quackery and it was founding way back in 1881 to fight snake oil salesmen and other bogus quackery uh, it should be mentioned that unlike unlike many other skeptical organizations, the board of the VD, VTDK uh, are mostly real doctors and health professionals and not just concerned citizens. These are professionals <laughs> who know what they're talking about. After 140 years, they are still at it. And uh, I would like to give a big shout out to our friend Catherine de Jong and also to the others in the organization. So the story. There is a Dutch controversial psychologist called Ingeborg Bosch, who has invented something that she calls past reality integration, or PRI, which is quote-unquote a treatment uh, which is not 
recognized by mainstream psychology or medicine or anybody else, really. It seems to be based on the notion that all childhoods create trauma and create dysfunctional behavior in us all, uh, which of course she knows how to fix. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but I know that much that digging into people's childhood, like Freud and Jung and others have advocated in the past, is not known to, um, not just not to work, but uh, it often can be outright harmful. Ingeborg Bosch has written several, several books about her so-called method and she gives courses, which she charges quite a lot for. She has also trademarked the term PRI, and that's not really what serious doctors do if they have invented a new treatment that they would like to spread. You usually share that with your colleagues. Then, also suspiciously, you don't have, even have to be a psychologist to take her courses. So basically anyone can pay her to become a so-called PRI therapist, which is a title that is not acknowledged by anybody else. Now, it seems that some institutions in the Netherlands have started to give university accreditation points for taking these PRI courses, which of course is really bad. But back to our heroes, the VTDK, the Dutch Association Against Quackery, they filed a complaint to the Royal Dutch Medical Association about this. And uh, that association has now responded by issuing clear instructions that no accreditation is to be given for PRI courses from any institutions in the Netherlands. The VTDK first criticized Ingeborg Bosch and uh, this PRI nonsense uh, back in 2008 and they have filed a similar and also successful complaint about accreditation for PRI courses in 2013 but it seems that the issue keeps coming back but uh, all in all it's a good example on successful skeptical activism that shows how important it is to keep an independent eye on our universities and institutions and maybe on society in general so that these things don't happen. So well done. <laughs> well done and not very well done. Yeah, well done and not so well done. So let me wrap it up then. So for being on the alert and making sure that b b bullshit like this doesn't sneak into university education, the VTDK gets today's prize for being really right. And of course, Ingeborg Bosch and whatever institution that accepts her teaching teachings as legitimate they get a big fat really wrong good thank you very much pontus mm -hmm. and that basically concludes our show but before we go i would like to ask you yelena to share a quote with us to finish on a quote from a controversial scientist richard dawkins Ooh. Ooh. Uh -oh. <laughs> what did he say what did he say again he said that's 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 prior to his rumblings on Twitter. Come on. Okay. He said, "Science works. Planes fly. Cars drive. Computers compute. If you base medicine on science, you cure people. If you base the design of planes on science, they fly. If you base the design of rockets on science, they reach the moon. It works." Bitches. Well, I didn't want. <laughs> but he did say that. Yeah. All right. Before we go, I'd like to tell our listeners how much we appreciate any contact especially these days uh we have a bit more time to correspond so uh feel free we always we are always happy to get um contacted by our, our listeners so feel free to drop a line or to make any suggestions as, as to what topics to cover instead of coronavirus oh yes and I, and, I, and i still remember our contact details i think uh, it is <laughs> our email address is info at the esp.eu the twitter handle is espodcast underscore eu and facebook of course you can find us there by just typing the, the esp or the european skeptics podcast and also we have a website the esp.eu where you can get in touch with us via completing the form yeah and of course you can also see the calendar so i mentioned before that the calendar is changing there's a lot of things cancelled but uh, I should, 
you should keep a lookout there because I think that very soon there will start to pop out online events and those of course you can reach from all over the world so you don't have to be in Leeds or in uh, uh, Glasgow or in uh, Prague or so to attend so that could be interesting yeah mm-hmm. and if you have the time you can leave uh, leave reviews of our show as well on several uh, podcast applications uh, on Stitcher on iTunes it's uh, very much appreciated so if you have a little bit of time please take some to complete those forms as well that would help us uh, in distributing the show anyhow this has been all for this week I'd like to thank you Yelena and Pontus for joining me today thank you thanks guys many thanks to our listeners for tuning in please keep doing so and until next week goodbye paka paka hello bis dann This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Kisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe This is episode 100 No Sorry, no, it's no, 250 Yeah, at least <laughs> I was just thinking how it will sound how will, how will it sound with chocolate in your mouth? It's a meat, it's meat, it's meat Okay Even better and the links will be provided on the show notes just in case you want to polish your Hungarian. Oh, <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> polish, polish, polish your Hungarian. Hungarian. <laughs> um, That's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> to fight snake oil salesmen, uh, no, snails, <laughs> snail, snail oil. <laughs> snail <Sorry>. oil. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they can be they can be very They're very slimy, yes, <laughs> yeah, slimy. So it's um, <laughs> uh, I think French loves that. Yeah, right. No, slimy French no. slime or or <laughs> snails. Oh, snails. snails. Oh. Yes, they do. Okay, they okay. Do. Morning. <laughs>